everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 86, the final episode of 2017. I'm Gabe Estel, here with my here with my co-host, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? At your service. Good, good. All right. Well, you know, we're about ready to send 2017 off. Needless to say, it's a years of highs and lows. Um Lost a lot of great people this year, um, and a little bit of our democracy in the process as well. But anyway, um, I'll uh, I'll go ahead tonight. We're going to recap uh, a little bit of the year, as well as talk um, uh, talk a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which uh, just a couple weeks ago uh, announced its six inductees for 2018. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, as well as each of us are just going to share some of the highlights from the year from the world of music, baseball, and maybe a few things, um, a few other items as well. So on that note, let's go ahead and start off with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is set to take place, uh, the induction ceremony in Cleveland uh, this spring. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the nominee, the inductees were announced, I should say. Uh, bon Jovi, The Cars, Dire Straits, Nina Simone, The Moody Blues, and Sister Rosetta Tharp. So, are, are uh, they, wait, real quick, are the induction ceremonies actually in Cleveland or are they in New York? Uh, I'm looking at it says here that it, it says Cleveland oh, okay. uh, on the website, like okay. it's got like right by the logo Cleveland, okay. which I liked, which I like to see. You know, I like I like that they're in Cleveland. Just because a that's that's where the building is, right? right? Yeah, and I mean it's not like New York doesn't have enough award ceremonies. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it seems it seems like it's good for Cleveland, you know, to to yeah. have the have the induction ceremony as well. I, I like it. Keep it in the Midwest. Yeah, All sure. right. Um, so, what do you guys make of the inductees as well as the nominees? Now, I don't have the. I can pull them up here. I don't have the list. All the list of of nominees here. Um, uh, but, uh, I can go. I ahead mean, pull. as far, yeah. as far as the inductees, I would say the cars, dire straits and moody blues are them kind of playing catch up again, mm-hmm. which is what they did kind of last year with like, yes. And journey. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, cause those three bands for sure, you would think either would have either already, most people would, I think already think those bands are in the rock and roll of fame, mm-hmm. but, um, Sister Rosetta Tharp, um, not a ton of people may be familiar with her, but she was influential to early rock and roll music. Yeah. He- heavily. Mm-hmm. And um, I, out of all of them, you know, Bon Jovi, I wasn't I wasn't totally sure about. What were your guys' thoughts on that? I was kind of surprised he wasn't already in. Mm. I mean, I could care less about his music, but the dude's... Sold a ton of records and probably influenced quite 130 a lot of million. That's yeah. one one three zero. Yeah, million. A hundred and thirty million. Yeah, Damn. and um, you know, you know, it, it's hard. To, it's hard. It's hard to 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 think about it because it's like two ways. Do we do we go off just straight record sales? Do we go off influence or like whether they were whether they were trail influence? Yeah, or whether they were like trailblazing, you know, were they were they the first uh you know minority that broke through in that genre? You know what I mean? Like you, you, you kind of think about things like that as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, c- certainly it's 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 good to see. Uh, I think more women getting recognized, you know, in in, in in the in the Hall of Fame. So I I, I definitely uh, like Levi mentioned playing catch up. You know, I think I think they're they're doing it in that regard as well. Um, you know, we we've said this before, and I'll 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 say it again. Um, you know, I obviously I think all three of us have some ambivalence just around the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for some of the reasons that Levi mentioned with the criteria, um, because, you know, the record sales thing are the only one that you can really quantify. Um, you know, like the baseball hall of fame, you know, for the most part, not entirely, but for the most part, it's, it's stat driven as, as well as the other sports hall of fames. Um, whereas in the rock and roll hall of fame, that's not always the case, right? I mean, you know, the Ramones didn't sell a lot of records, but they were hugely influential. So they're going to, you know, they got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and and, and rightfully so. Um, but it's it's always one of those things that's kind of bothered me a little bit because it's like, you know, the, the rebellious spirit of rock and roll. Um, that being said, it having having a building and having, you know, this whole ceremony and awards, uh, it, it sort of goes against that rebellious spirit of rock to a certain degree. But um, but that said. Uh, I, I, I did find the list of nominees, and I'll, I'll, I'll just read the ones that 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 were nominees but did not get inducted. Mm-hmm. So it's Kate Bush, okay. Depeche Mode, um, The Eurythmics, Jay Giles Band, Jay Giles who passed away this year, uh, Judas Priest, Link Ray, LL Cool J, The MC5, The Meters, Radiohead. Rage Against the Machine, Rufus featuring Shaka Khan, and the Zombies. So those those were the those were the the nominees that uh, that did not you know get in become inductees. Um, and I think that Jonathan had mentioned um, that he thought Radiohead. When we were talking about this, I think just via text uh, a few weeks or whenever the the nominees were announced. That Radiohead should have been a first ballot. So I'll I'll ask you now, Jonathan. Uh, not that I disagree with you, because I I do agree. But what what's what's your rationale behind that? Um, well, it it's actually it has nothing to do with record sales necessarily, though they could certainly lean on that if they wanted to, probably uh, in terms of relatively speaking, record sales for the nineteen nineties. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but mostly, uh, you know what they were able to do with rock and, and take in directions that it hadn't been taken before and, and introduce, you know, electronic elements into it. And, uh, you know, they certainly had their influences from the eighties, but then they, they evolved those influences and, and manifested itself in this way that influenced untold number of bands, some worthy, some not as worthy, but, um, I think a lot of the bands that I'm into today sure. that, especially if they have, uh, an electronic element in them, yeah. uh, right. I have really grown to appreciate where <coughs> I didn't appreciate that electronic element as much when I was, um, when I was younger. And this is all at the same time, you know, this is a band that has guitars and a bass and drums and, and, and it doesn't really rely that much on, on the element, but um, it is a part of it, and it has created this uh, revolution, evolution of of rock, and that I think is undeniable, and makes them probably the most influential band of the since nineteen ninety. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. Uh, maybe next to Nirvana, I'd say, as far as you know, influence goes, as far as the number of people they probably reached. Um, 
Well, uh, that brings up yeah. a perfect point. You just said influence and how many people you reach. And to me, with with some of the Hall's picks, it's you can tell they're going strictly almost off of record sales. You know what I mean? On To me, because, I mean, how many great, awesome bands did Bon Jovi influence? No, right. I mean, Bon Jovi, and, and I want to preface all this with I'm not against any of these bands I'm going to talk about or that I've uh, said. We're just playing yeah. the game. Or anything, but, it's, yeah. It's, it's all it's, purely subjective. Yeah, right. So right. I, I've tried to total it all up, and it's kind of tough because Radiohead doesn't keep track of their newest record download sales and stuff. But it looks like Radiohead has sold between 12 and 14 million records, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Yeah, um, it's yeah. One of their contemporaries of the same era, someone that's never mentioned really in any of these talks. And like I said, this isn't someone that I'm into or anything. Dave Matthews Band during that same time sold over 35 million records almost. Right. And so when you talk about influence and the the product, the music itself, the art has to get to people and it has to be in their hands for someone to be influenced. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, well, if Dave Matthews band it somehow sold 35 million records almost, that's a lot of people that they could have influenced and which I think they did influence for better or worse. The whole, yeah, sure, the sure. whole 90s jam band type scene or the whole... The, the the college frat boy and girl going to a yeah. Dave Matthews They were, they were very show. instrumental in Abercrombie and Fitch really right? taking off. <laughs> right? Well, no. right? And so, yeah, for better or worse, they, they influenced twice as many people almost sure. as Radiohead if we're going yeah. off record sales. Right. And so I just think it and, – and it comes back to, like you said, we're all kind of ambivalent towards it to where it's like it's tough. Do you do – you, go off record sales do you go off what are perceived what we think they influenced or who we think they influenced it, it's a tough yeah. call yeah. but I I, I don't know I don't know if I think Radiohead will probably get in I think it might take them another ballot or two I think you're right yeah it didn't help um, that they said that they weren't interested in being inducted and they wouldn't show up even if they were so. right. <laughs> That's a rock and roll attitude. Honestly, one that I more power to them. That that's rock and roll. Yeah, their contemporary that you mentioned that I could see getting in before them is Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, sure. To to me, Rage Against the Machine in in my bubble of my world in the 1990s, they were way more influential to me than Radiohead was. Sure, but they've been more the Evil Empire the day it came out and like studying it and they, listening to it. But they it. have the like the Gale Sayers Sandy Koufax short career. Yeah, um, correct. I was yeah. about to say that. Yeah. yeah. I uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 not a lot of output in, in as far as uh, rage goes, you know. That's one of the things that That would be one of the ones then you're going off of influence or impact or Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, their cultural impact. Yeah, alone. <laughs> well, to, let's put it this way, right? I, I always, you know, my my own kind of like since the whole criteria is murky anyway. You know, the criteria I've always had in my head when I look at these these nominees is, um, you know, do they have more than one uh, classic record? What I what I consider a classic record, right? Um, and there's two 
recent, I don't know, probably last six, seven years inductees that I really like. Um, and I think they put out, though, just one classic album apiece. So even though I, I think they were both widely influential and I think really, really, really important on my own criteria, I don't know if necessarily they get in. And the, the two acts that I'm talking about are Guns N' Roses and N.W.A. They both have a classic album, you know, uh, you know, wide, wide, you know, big selling, oh, yeah. highly, yeah. Inf- hugely influential. I, I don't consider Use Your Illusion um, uh, uh, necessarily a classic. I always I like it. I always found it kind of a bloated affair, though. I think it should have been one record. Um, and then N.W.A., you know, like Ice Cube left and then they put out a fall. They put out an EP and then a, another LP. But it's only two LPs and an EP. One, granted, the first LP is awesome, um, you know, and and I think just not only an important album musically, but also politically as well. Um, but that said, you know, I don't necessarily know if I'd put them in just because, man, I, to me, it's like you got to have a little more output. Sustained, you know? like sustained yeah. greatness. I yeah, and, and that's and, and a lot of that is just the bands broke up. You know what I mean? Or like they just. They just they or just people went their died or whatever. people died yeah. people left yeah. the band whatever the case may be so a lot of it's beyond their control but my yeah. in my own oh, my head you know in the in the Gabe you know induction criteria yeah. that's kind of the one I've always said and then also another band that got in a few years ago and maybe this is just me being a, a jerk because I don't like their music um, I have yet to hear anything good. Any any good band say they were influenced by Green Day, in my opinion, and maybe I'm just being an asshole because I don't like Green Day. Their music, I mean, they seem maybe they're decent people. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I, I, I just, I mean, like, I, I think the world could have survived without some Forty One and Newfound Glory. All right, so I, 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 I have a hard time. I would have a hard time inducting Green Day, despite you know the album sales and the longevity. You know, they've been around for twenty five years or so now. Um, it's not to say they're not important, but I just, I, yeah, I mean, I'll always have like a special spot for Dookie just cause it reminds me of those times or whatnot, but I, I can't say that they had sustained high levels of, of output by any means. Uh, it's popular it, and, and, and I do, just cause I don't like it doesn't, doesn't mean, it's, yeah, correct. You correct. know, it's yeah. just. We're going to get uh, they, so they, much hate mail from so many different artists because of this they, they, ex- they exist in a, a, a sub-genre that I just, that's never appealed to me. And that would, I, I would call it pop punk. Um, yeah, yeah, for which, sure. Which to me is kind of hearing that is just nails on the chalkboard. I, you could call uh, it ang- angst pop. I, I think that's giving <laughs> it too much credit, quite frankly. <laughs> right. I, well, I, call, I, I, just, I call I it Hot Topics background music is what I right? call it. Yeah. I, I anyway. I'm just trying to not use the word punk in it, to, to not yeah. delete the word punk. <laughs> well, I'm Jonathan glad Parker Dire Straits... On, I'm, I'm just glad that? Dire Straits made it in. Right. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to go off on the Dead Boys now for about 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I'll say this, the, the, the most disheartening snub to me from the nominees list is Iron Maiden. 
That's one yeah. of the that's 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 one of the biggest bands in the world. And they've sold they've sold the records to prove that for sure. And, well, dude, shit, go down to go down to Rio when they play down there and fill a soccer stadium for six shows. You know, I mean, I'm talking like the, they still the, do that the today. Only, the only band I know of touring in their own private jumbo jet. Yeah, well, that, and they can. Bruce can fly the thing too. Yeah, yeah. Maiden's, Maiden's the shit. All right, like Maiden like, needs to get in. Like stat. Yeah, um, I mean, the ones you mentioned, I could see Judas Priest getting in within the next couple years, maybe. Yeah. Um I definitely think the meters should be in there, just because the if we're if and then, then the meters would be in the group of how many people we influenced. Because the meters never sold tons of records no. or anything, but the meters yeah. are so influential and have played with so many people. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, that first Robert Palmer record wouldn't have existed without him. Oh yeah, like, like potentially Little Feet. That whole vibe of the New Orleans loose, funky rock. Yeah whole thing is then that's then that's the meters also i think you know yeah one of the purveyors of modern electric guitar link ray you know as well i mean i mean like when rumble came out like nothing like that had ever been done oh yeah that's you know i'm jimmy page's favorite song yeah yeah so i don't know the rock and the rock and roll hall of fame is a uh perplexing institution because you don't know how you try to figure out how they're going about it are they doing influence or are they doing record yeah. sales and it's, it's like stuff yeah. yeah it's hard to tell you know yeah it's yeah. hard to pinpoint because yeah. i know a lot of people were upset that the zombies didn't get in and it's okay. like i love the zombies i love she's not there i love yeah. time of the season you know yeah i'm not so sure the zombies belong though in the rock and roll hall of fame they were a great band but like i i'm wondering if you put in uh I don't know. I and I'm gonna come off sounding rude or cocky or something, but like, there's the upper level acts and mid level acts and lower mid level and lower level acts. The zombies to me aren't like an upper echelon act. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, so they're it, important, but I mean it's uh, yeah. I, a lot, a lot of the people that are that upper echelon have, have already been inducted. You know, what I mean, so yeah, and so yeah, I guess they're they're. They're down to the, the what's left, but so some of them just seem so glaringly obvious to me. Like like you said, Iron Maiden for sure. Yeah, and, and yeah, and also you know, I mean, I I uh, I'll make a case for LL Cool J. You know, I mean, I saw that he was nominated, but that he gets inducted. I mean, like you know, not not a lot of people were really like um, paying much attention to rap in 1986. You know, and. He was there rapping, you know? I mean, I, I think that you, you have to consider how early, just sort of the, 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 oh, yeah. Those, those early pioneers of, of a genre, I think that's got to be considered, you know, whether you like their music or not. And I, 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 I certainly think LL Cool J has some classic records. Um, I have to admit, like, I haven't listened to much he's done since, like, you know, he became a television star, basically, or, you know, like, not, not, I haven't, Post Mama said knock you out. I haven't. I don't really know any of his songs, but that's that's not to say you know like that early stuff that he did. I mean, it was it was really important. Oh yeah, know? for sure. It was. So just... he, I I would have voted for him. I mean, I I would have if I was yeah. on the committee. I, I would have voted for him this year. Yeah. So. Cool. All righty. 
We got to get well, on that right. committee. Just sorry, like Green a, a Day. Group, you know, man, like I, I, yeah, I, I, I highly doubt Billy Joe listens to this podcast. I, 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 um, but I, I I'm sorry. So I, I, I feel part of me is feeling kind of guilty for saying that now. But anyway, whatever. Never dug them. But that's not. That doesn't mean they're not important. All right. Anyway. Don't apologize. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, moving on. And also I want to remind everybody here in the spring, uh, we will have the, uh, the, uh, chew-ins, uh, which is our version of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Every year, each of us inducts an artist. So I have a lot of fun with those episodes. So we'll, we'll be doing that again, probably right around the time of the induction ceremony, which is actually sometime in the spring so look forward to that i i'm even thinking about who i'm gonna who i'm gonna induct so already should be fun yeah yeah i am yeah. i am i am that's that's those are one of my one of my favorite episodes to do all righty i get to make the case for somebody who will probably never be on that nominees list <laughs> anyway all right so now we'll go ahead and um uh move on to 2017 kind of Sort of our version of a year in review. Um, we're just going to talk about some of the things that stood out to us in 2017, uh, be them music related or baseball or or, or something else as well. Um, so, Jonathan, I'll let you go ahead and kick it off. Um, what uh, what what are your what, what's what, what's one of your takeaways from 2017? Uh, what one of my <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Uh, one of mine is uh, I'll start off with some baseball, and it's actually number four on my list. And it was okay. a catch slash non catch. Austin Jackson uh, made a catch for the Cleveland Baseball Club uh, against the Red Sox at Fenway Park, in which he uh, was running toward that that awkward uh, pitcher's bullpen short fence near mm. right center field. He uh, leaps up, robs a home run, and falls head over heels overhead into the bullpen. He comes up with the ball saying, I caught the ball. And it was a spectacular catch. It was, you know, the best catch of the year. It was one of the best yeah. catches of the decade. However, my why I consider it the best of, though, is not just that, but it, the fact that it brought up this debate as to whether or not that should be considered a catch. And... Mm-hmm. I've always been of the mindset that you need to stay in the field of play in order for a catch to count. And mm-hmm. granted, the rules say currently say that you do not have to see Derek Jeter um, as well. Uh, I've, yeah, and, I gotta, and, and, and I just feel like that you have to stay within the bounds of the field of play for a, a catch to be considered uh, a, a legal catch. Because, you know, how far I get that you can jump from in the field of play. Like that's the least of what you have to do. You can't like jump over the fence and then take two steps and then jump and catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, at least it got this discussion going as to whether or not that should be considered a catch. <clears throat> it was spectacular nonetheless, but it should not have been a catch. <laughs> See, I've been a total dead devil's advocate this because I think it, like, it's almost like the NFL, the process of the catch. And so I, I think if he starts the catch in the field of play, it's everything's good after that. 
I get it. I'm yeah. kind. I, I, I'm kind of with Levi on that one. Yeah, I, 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 I valid arguments on both sides. Uh, but I agree. I'm, I'm not letting people like jump into the stands and then like get something. Because I mean, some of those Rizzo tarp calls are kind of close, like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where where he's like tiptoeing across the tarp trying to catch it, and it's like granted the tarp's in play still, so it's on the field of play. So, but um. Yeah, but, but I, there's no there's no angle of the camera to tell you if it was actually a catch. You know, he can fall behind the fence, or you can fall into the stands, and there's no way a camera can 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 show you an angle that you know for sure that he secured it the whole time. I guess we're mm-hmm. gonna have to put a magnet in the ball and sensors in the gloves. Yeah, a lot of shady shit can happen once you fall over those fences. <laughs> he might have just had a ball in his pocket. He was waiting to pull that out the whole time. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't really think that. But, um, but no, it was it was spectacular nonetheless. Um, uh, whether you consider it a catch or not a catch, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And, and good on yeah. Austin Jackson for uh, putting his body in harm's way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, um, Levi. Go ahead, man. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, um, one of the things I was going to mention was, um, I'll, I guess I'll start. He did baseball. I'll go to music. Um, one of my top five things of the year was Margot Price's record called All mm. American Made. And I'm not sure if either one of you guys have heard it. I've heard of. Yeah, I but, haven't heard um, it yet, though. It's excellent. It's like, you know, uh, just great kind of, I don't know how to explain it, like Americana-ish, country-ish. And the, the Margot's got great vocals. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, cool. She's from. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, says origin Nashville, but she was born in Alito, Illinois, which is kind of over by the Quad Cities area. Oh wow! Yeah, That's I've. Uh, yeah, I, I've got it. I've got it on my um, my my queue. You know, like the to listen to. So, thanks for the thanks for the you you reminded me to move it up the queue. So with your, with yeah, your, it's uh, excellent, man. It's a good, record. yeah. You guys will dig yeah. It. Who would you say like her influences are? You think maybe like, I don't know, kind of the old, older seventies singer. Like Amy Lou Harris. Like, maybe. Or? Well, a little bit maybe, but like you get also her voice has some of that, like sixties country, like Tammy Wynette ish qualities to it and stuff like that. Cool. Like it, she, her voice has a bit of a throwback quality to it. Cool, cool. She's going to be at uh, Knuckleheads here in Kansas City in uh, January. Oh, I see, I see as well that she's on uh, she's on Third Man, Jack White's label as uh, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you can still find them, but when that, I mean, you might be able to. Most Barnes and Nobles, I think, have them probably still, but her record at Barnes and Noble, I think, is autographed. Oh, cool. If you, if you purchase it at Barnes and Noble. Right, right. I think the inner sleeve comes autographed. It's not the actual yeah. outside. But yeah, that's a pro tip for all the vinyl hunters out there. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for the thanks for the recommendation. I'm gonna, uh, we'll, we'll, or we'll I should together, say, reinforcing my interest in her. We'll we'll also put together a mixtape on YouTube of of our uh, favorite tracks yeah. from 2017. So we'll be yeah. sure to include that. Nice. Well, I, I'll. I'll... On, I'm, I'll, I'll go with Levi. Uh, I'll, I'll go next here. Um, my 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 favorite record of the year, and I'll, I'll preface this with, um, you know, I, I, there's kind of a difference between favorite and best sometimes, right? I mean, meaning, you know, um, 
the album that I listen to the most um, may not necessarily be the best record musically of the year, but it's the one that, you know, really touched me the most. Um, it's kind of like one of those things, like when people ask me like what my favorite movie is, I'll tell them Gremlins. When people ask me what I think the best movie ever made is, I'll say Goodfellas, you know? Um, it's kind of like that. Um, so for this one, and and it's, and it's and I say that because I, I, I and I, I, I don't want to devalue the quality of this record uh, because it's great. Um, it's it's my favorite record of the year. Um, it's by a, a an all female um, quartet called Chastity Belt, and uh, you know I I even feel saying you know all female quartet because you know I think hopefully we'll reach a point someday where we're just like it's a band you know it's not a band of girls you know um, <laughs> I only mentioned it because of you know Levi pointing out you know a strong female singer songwriter um but i think that i think it's important because you know it's four four girls that are fairly young you know they all went to college together in walla walla washington um and they're from pacific northwest area and um you know there could be even a little bit of that the early 90s seattle pacific um sound in their music not necessarily i would i wouldn't put it like necessarily like a they sound like Soundgarden or anything like that but um <clears throat> there's a trace of it um but it's it's certainly much more jangly than anything to come out of early 90s seattle um it's jangly it's 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 kind of poppy but um it's also kind of dark as well um lyrically it's like it's pretty straightforward like some of the songs are just kind of about getting your shit together and like kind of finding your head when you're in the middle of you know, after like when you woke up at 5 a.m. like really hungover. Um, there's there's you know there's there's really straightforward lyrics at sometimes and other times you know it's it's a little bit darker and a little more moving. Um, it's it's Chastity Belt um, and the album's called I Used to Spend So Much Time Alone. Uh, I think the lyrics are really witty at times too and and pretty clever. Um, and yeah, this one really, God, it really, really grew on me. You know, I, I I liked it right away when I heard it. I think the opening track, Different Now, is is, is certainly one of the better opening tracks I've heard in a long time. Uh, but as the year went on, because this came out, I think, fairly early in the year, in 2017, uh, I just started listening to it more and more. You know, and, and even albums that maybe might be a little bit more richer musically and might have a little more texture to them. They, they did. I didn't listen to them as much as I listened to this one. I, I mean, I listened to the album probably once or twice a week. You know, it, it's I, I really like it that much. So um, I'm looking forward. I hope I get to see them live sometime. Um, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously when they tour, you know, they're playing really small venues still. And I this album got some critical buzz. But, you know, I, I they they haven't really, quote unquote, like. I don't know, broken through commercially yet. Cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I really dig it. Um, so that's, that's, that's my, that's my favorite record of the year is chastity belt. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I, I know what you mean by the, um, your favorite record versus probably like the, the best record or the most well executed yeah. record because, yeah. you know, this year did had a couple uh, of my favorite bands release new records and the war on drugs and the national, yeah. Uh, and those I've been listening to quite a bit over the last few weeks. Um, however, admittedly, it, 
they don't like latch onto you as quickly. You really have to kind of like sit down and listen to them. Sure. To really enjoy them. Uh, and so, you know, road tripping, I've, I've, uh, for the holidays, I've been able to do that and focus a bit more on those records than I was able mm-hmm. to when they first came out and just, uh, you know, like play them while I'm coding or something like that. And you don't, and you can enjoy it, but you don't like fully get to immerse yourself in it, especially in stuff that's a bit more darkly subtle like the war on drugs and the national are yeah uh, rec- new yeah. records are um and so to to that end though to what you're saying gabe uh the the record i found myself going back to like i, I listened to it early on in the year and just kind of was like oh yeah that wasn't bad and then I, I i was flipping through my itunes queue and and i was like oh yeah that record i'm gonna I'll listen to that again and the next thing you know you're listening to it you know uh once a day or once a week at least and uh and that was and for me that was dave depper's uh, emotional freedom technique yeah i like that one too uh which is uh, dave depper's uh, up to now has just been uh kind of a sideman and like death cap for cutie and ray lamontaine and uh, a couple other bands and uh and and he released um he redid paul mccartney's ram (laughs) and released that uh a few years ago uh and then uh to write this new record um, emotional freedom technique he actually did it uh during sound checks and levi you can probably appreciate this where um you can speak to this where a, a musician just kind of has to be around they don't have to do much for sound checks and leading up to a gig and if you're opening or if you're you know just a side man and and just a side man um <laughs> that, that there's a lot of downtime but you have to be there and so he decided yeah. while he was there he would just go ahead and start writing these songs. And uh, that's what eventually became uh, Emotional Freedom Technique. And it's just, it's kind of, you know, four hipsters playing synth pop. And, uh, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And I I found myself going back to it. And it's, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, a good dichotomy, both fast and slow. And, and, um, uh, and he's got a unique voice. And, and, uh, it's kind of uh, revelatory in a way, and and uh, so yeah, I just kept finding myself going back to uh, Dave Depper. Cool, yeah, I like that. I, you recommended that one to me, and I, I uh, that one was, I've got I've got a big list, like in you know, I, I Google Play Music is my streaming service of choice, and it, it's it's everything I've dug, you know, I put on that list, and that's that's one of them certainly too. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna for one of my top fives i'm gonna venture outside of our normal realm for just a moment but i'll bring it back to baseball and music i promise listeners no worries um the bears drafted a quarterback this year and um he actually might not suck and so i'm like rejoicing because i can't remember when the last time it's been um Mitch Trubisky. Mitchell, his mother calls him. Mitchell Trubisky, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, weren't sure at the beginning of the season if he was going to be starting or what, but it played out to where he, he did basically finish the season starting all the games. And um, it's definitely given me a glimmer of hope to actually want to, like, keep track of the Bears again next year. So Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's looking promising. You know, he's he's got a he's got an air about him. He's got a, a leadership quality to him and... And uh, uh, he's not afraid to to do what it takes to get the job done, and it's just a matter of learning at this point. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been one of the brighter the brighter sports things this year. Yeah. We, you know, for, you know, for me at least. I actually um I I had 
I dreamt his being drafted. Uh, so uh, the the story is that. Uh, so in your dream, were you like, "Don't trade up, don't trade right, up"? Yeah. Well, no, yeah, it was kind of funny <laughs> because yeah, in my dream, I think they got him a little bit lower. They didn't have to trade up to number two to get him. But uh, we were, so uh, uh, my wife and I were in London at the time, and the draft because of the time difference was actually happening while we were sleeping overnight. And so I knew that when I woke up. The, the first round, it was just the first round of the draft would be completed. And so I could immediately see the whole first round of the draft happen, which is like Christmas morning <laughs> for, you know, yeah. a football fan. And, right. And so I woke up and it was it was 7 a.m. I was like, oh, this is kind of early. But I could see what happened if I wanted to. I could just like I could look, you know, two clicks on my phone. I could, I could see who the Bears got. It's like, no, I'm going to go back to sleep. And in my dream, they took Mitchell Trubisky. However, uh, admittedly, I think they they ended up like somehow they got like a second first round picks, and and they took them with a second pick, second first round pick, and not the second overall pick. But maybe I was misinterpreting my dream, and I did actually dream that they got the second overall pick. And, well, and yeah, who knows? <laughs> like five years from now, if the Bears are in the playoffs consistently or something, we could be like, oh, thank God they traded up. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, sure. but I, yeah, I, 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 the the knee jerk reaction to it was like, man, they probably could have had him third. You know what I mean? The, I, but... I just appreciate that the front office loves somebody so much that they oh, had yeah. the balls to do that move that would be frowned upon by everybody spot. else in the league to move up one spot. They wanted him so bad. And that's all I want. I want I want a front office with conviction. Well, and not only that, it shows <laughs> how much faith they have in you as a player. You know what I mean? Can you imagine being being sure. bitch walking yeah. in the door like, damn, they traded up to get me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Who knows? He's... So yeah, <laughs> to Jonathan, didn't you own a Cade McNown jersey at one time? Oh yeah, Jim Miller, <laughs> Eric Kramer is my favorite all-time Chicago Bear quarterback. Eric Kramer. <laughs> I like. I'll take Rick Meyer here. All right, yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, better than Grossman, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, didn't Grossman like take him to a Super Bowl though? Well, he didn't take him to a uh, Super yeah, Bowl. He I, was he, he was... didn't like put him on his shoulders. He yeah. got lucky enough to be the quarterback yeah. for the Bears defense that took yeah. him to he the was Super bitch. Bowl. Right. <laughs> the Bears defense was what got to the Super Bowl yeah, that yeah. year. Mitch yeah, just it's... took a ride on the bus with them. Rex, Rex, yeah. Or Rex, yeah. No, so yeah, Mitch seems like a guy that they could could take him there. And, and and not be a guy that they go of in in spite of. Yeah. So yeah, you started to di- divert us. From no, our no worries. Talk, but yeah, that was a highlight for me this year for sure. In the meantime, fire the coach. Right. <laughs> Fantastic, Mister Fox. Actually, that's can I can I go next because yes. his yeah. Fantastic Mister Fox is actually apropos to what I'm going to discuss. Um. This year, I started listening to film scores uh, a lot. Um, it, you know, it might be I'm I'm out of the classroom now, so I'm, you know, I'm 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 more at a desk than than I than I was. Um, so you know, it, it's it's always looking for music that's good to concentrate to. Uh, you know, that's good to concentrate on uh, while I'm working. And uh, so, you know, I started listening to film scores a little bit more. It kind of sometimes can make the day's work a little more interesting as well. You know, you feel like you're in a movie or something. And um, uh, 
so I, you know, I started then like, you know, kind of like writing down, you know, you know, composers and uh, things like that, you know, and just kind of really keeping track of, of how they do it. Um, and, uh, a guy that actually scored the fantastic Mr. Fox, um, and he also scored one of Wes Anderson's other movies, Grand Budapest Hotel, which I have to admit I haven't seen either of those. Um, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure they are. I like Wes Anderson. I just haven't gotten around to him. Um, his name, he's a French composer, uh, conductor. His name is, uh, I hope I don't I say it right, Alexander Deplat is his name. Um, I hope I said Deplat, right? Um <laughs> Yeah, good-looking guy uh, as well. Um, he's, uh, I don't know much about him other than, uh, you know, a couple interviews I read before um, this uh, this podcast. He uh, is, you know, the thing about these, these, these conductors is, you know, they're really, they're really prolific. I mean, the guy's done, I would say, like, over the last 10 years, like, he's probably done, like, 15 movies, you know, uh, maybe more, even. Um, and the, the most recent one that he's, that he he scored was uh, a movie that came out a few weeks ago called The Shape of Water, uh, the new Guillermo del Toro movie, you know, kind of a love story creature movie. Um, and even though I haven't seen the movie, the music is so good and tells the story so well without any lyrics that I feel like I've seen the movie. Hmm. Wow. Um, so cool. I'd like to say that's a big compliment I can pay sure. someone. And uh, even some of the movies that he's done, like he's done a few of the Harry Potters even. Um, and, and, you know, like, and he can do like a really big score. You know, he can do, you know, what's required of a big blockbuster movie. But he can also do something that's that's really jazzy. Um, he also did the movie, uh, came out, it's George Clooney did it. Um Matt Damon and Julianne Moore in it. It kind of, I think it sort of flopped and got kind of mixed reviews. A movie called Suburbicon he did this year earlier, did did this year as well. Um, And he did a really good score, a movie I haven't seen. The thing is, I haven't seen a lot of the movies that he scored. Uh, The movie with Benedict Cumberbatch called The Imitation Game. The score for that is great. Really, really good. So he he can do a jazzy kind of score as well. Um, And I just think that's such a talent to evoke a mood you know with just sort of looking at a clip or getting you know getting the uh the word from what the director wants uh and and really crafting a piece of music around it um it's a it's an art form that uh and a a subgenre a genre of music that I, I just really appreciated a lot more than i used to um i i yeah, I just I just think like, you know, there's I think the the movie scores, you know, it's another character in the movie. And this guy, this Alexander, Dupl- I, I haven't heard anything of his that I don't like. Um, I, the, I I highly, highly recommend the Shape of Water score. It's 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 just it's gorgeous. So that's what yeah. Robbie Robertson got into when mm-hmm. the band broke up. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. right. Movie scores. It's yeah. interesting too that because uh, Betsy listens to a lot of uh, the Wes Anderson scores, and mm-hmm. um, uh, but he he has shown range in that you know he can put together an awesome compilation of pop songs like Rushmore or the Royal Tenenbaums, and yeah, then right. Turn around and just have like a score driven film like Grand Budapest yeah. or and, and Alexander Duplass D- got the Oscar for Grand Budapest. Oh, he, he did. Won yeah. best, cool. He won best score. Yeah. Cool. He's, he's he gets the, he's a perennial nominee. You know, he's eight time Academy Award nominee. 
Um, so yeah, and he really, I don't think he's been in the game terribly long. Like you know, like like early aughts, he kind of started out just wow. working on French movies, and then you know, I think the Harry Potter thing came, and that you know, just yeah. So um, yeah, sure. really really Check prolific. Yeah, yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, looking forward to to spinning some uh, while I work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll go. Uh, I'll go next. Um, I'll switch over to baseball. And uh, so, what, what, my number three overall was the Astros getting off the Schneid uh, to you know break another streak, winning the World Series, uh, first time in their forty-seven seasons, uh, or this was their forty-eighth season uh, that they won the World Series. And what what I especially liked about it was that we now have three consecutive years of teams getting off the Schneid. So, twenty fifteen, the Royals ended a drought of twenty-nine seasons. The yeah. Cubs, obviously, last year, 107 seasons without a World mm-hmm. Series. It was in their 108th that they won. Right, Levi? That math is right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then, believe, so yep. the Astros in 47 seasons. So I did the math ending. The last three World Series champions have ended 183 seasons of combined futility just over the last three <laughs> Major League Baseball seasons. So, so over a century, yeah. Yes, right. nearly two Almost centuries two centuries, worth nearly two yeah. centuries, right. Combined yeah. futility for these fan bases in, in Kansas City and Chicago and Houston. And uh, that's kind of cool to see that. You know, it's not just the, the, the Giants winning every other year or the Yankees winning for the fourth time in six years or whatever. Right. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, good, good stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was going to mention probably is my record of the year. Um, my favorite record of the year. And, you know, I, I might even say I think it's the best record of the year. Because the production, and I talked about it when it came out, and I know you guys know what I'm going to say. But for those out there that don't know, the production on this record is stellar. The tones of all the instruments are fantastic. The songwriting is fantastic. I it, it's Marty Stewart's songs way oh, yeah. out west, and um, and his I, superlatives because he has a fantastic his fabulous, band. I mean, they they really are superlative, you know. I mean, it's an yeah, apt, jo- it's Jonathan, an apt name. Jonathan's got it back on the windowsill behind him, and um, I I just think it's one of the best records I've heard in a long time. It's just you don't always get to combine the quality of the musicians, the songs. The artistry, the musicianship, the production, just it's it's like the complete package to me. And um, one of the cool things about it, the Mike Campbell link where he produced it. And so oh, I'm nice. I'm hoping, you know, that this record, either Marty gets some nods or Mike Campbell gets some production nods because the record is just just excellent, man. I can't I, I still listen to it like once a week. It's, uh, it's got a very, uh, you know, uh, I, I hear like a big Graham Parsons Burrito Brothers influence on it. Sure, um, sure. but it's, it, but it's, it's also, um, it's got like the older Bakersfield sound. Yeah, it does. Songs. Yeah. It's got a very Even, desert. Yeah. Like the, the, title. the desert. Yeah. The desert yeah. vibe is there. It's like they yeah. combined it all. The best of the birds, yeah. Bakersfield, Buck Owens and. Yeah, I mean he's playing Clarence White's guitar. Yeah, Clarence White was the guitarist for the Birds, and him and Gene Parsons, no relation to Graham, they created this thing called the the 
the B bender basically to where it attaches to where the, your strap of your guitar goes and you can pull on it and it bends the string yeah. and it makes it sound like a steel guitar. It's yeah. like this whole, the whole back of the guitar is like routed out and it's mechanical and you can see the metal rods and you bend down, you pull down on the neck and it bends it to where it's like, like a steel guitar. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So just, He's got the whole vibe of that going with it, too. It's like, how could the record not be good? But um, beyond that, like I said, just all the songs, the first time you hear them, they sound like you've heard them before. They all sound familiar almost, but not in a bad way. Not in a like, oh, I've already heard this, but like, sure. in, a, like in a comforting, like this is the like he's channeling the sound of like some decades into like one album. Yeah, it is a comforting record. Um, it's a uh, peyote hillbilly, you know, is how I would describe <laughs> it. You know, uh, yeah, man, it's yeah, yeah, it's one of my but, favorites of the year too. Yeah, we can yeah, talk about. It. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's and that's, that guy's he's just he's just getting better with age, you know. I mean, he uh, I I always appreciated his even his poppier stuff when he first sort of his name first broke in you know, the late eighties, early nineties. I, I can appreciate that as well. Cause I think those are great tunes. Well, and what's but funny, over the last 10 years or so, he's really just found this groove that, uh, I'm excited what he's going to do next. Yeah. He ended up playing with, um, is it? Yeah. He played with Lester flat coming up out wow. of the bluegrass scene. And there's YouTube clips of Marty Stewart playing mandolin for Lester Flat on like, I don't know if it's Hee Haw or one of those. It's one of those shows. And um, he can't be more than 15 or 16 in it. Hmm. And he's, mm-hmm. he's and that's kind of the scene Marty came up in was that whole bluegrass touring backup musician thing. Yeah. And then it's cool how he played it into like 90s kind of popular country star now into like you know, kind of a grandfather of country music, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, on January 18th, Marty Stewart's playing in Bakersfield at Buck Owens Crystal Palace Theater. I think we should go, guys. Uh, that's, yeah, that'd that'd be, be the place to go. Yeah, see him. Place to see yeah. that record. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. yeah. I think he's, he's getting a lot of leg, uh, a lot of uh, legs of tours in on this record because he's already been yeah. to Kansas City and I think he's coming back. Yeah, I missed him in Chicago, unfortunately. I've seen him before. I've seen him a couple times, but uh, I, I really want to see him on this tour. Yeah. You know? So there you go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great record. Yeah. Uh, Gabe, you up? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, for for baseball, um, you know, obviously when your team's in the gutter most of the year. Um, you know, it's, it's hey, you, you 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 were in first place in April for like two weeks, right? We were we were in first place for two <laughs> weeks, yeah. So, but still, most of the year, uh, you know, obviously things things are. I think I think the future's bright uh, for my my team, but it's going to take a couple of years still. That said, um, I was glad to see, even though the White Sox are the only team I root for, I'm glad to see uh, a couple teams have some success this year like that have been kind of down for a little while. Um, like the twins are back, you know, the twins made the playoffs. Granted, they didn't get very far, but they still made it very unexpectedly in my opinion. Um, 
you know, they lost like over a hundred games a year before. Um, and then uh, the Brewers, you know, look like they're kind of turning things around as well. And then in Colorado, you know, the the Rockies um, could really be building something. So I think it's good to see those 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 franchises, particularly you know the Brewers and the the Twins being here. It's in the good to see smaller markets. Absolutely, have yeah. talented teams. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you know, with the way, just with the way the system's kind of set up, you know, a lot of times it doesn't happen to one oh, yeah. smaller. You know, I mean, the smaller teams always, I guess, technically get better draft picks or whatever is the way it's supposed to be, but it doesn't always play out to where that happens. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I think it's a really cool thing and I I hope it's a trend that continues next season. There's been, there's been, I'll I'll say this in baseball, you know, with Kansas city winning, obviously the Cubs, but the Cubs, you know, are, are, are a big market team and have a lot of money. Um, There's been some, you know, some decent parody in baseball, you know, over the last few years, you know, um, uh, so yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, cool. we'll see. I, I I'm with Levi. I hope I hope I you know I I want to see every team have a chance. That's I maybe it's the just egalitarian in me. I I, I want to see everybody competitive. You know, so yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it 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 keeps everything more competitive that way. Yeah, the, totally. the games are funner to watch. Oh, yeah. What were you gonna yeah. say, Jonathan? Well, I know that America is is hoping for the I ninety four World Series that would pit the Brewers <laughs> against the Twins. Uh, <laughs> right right yeah yeah that, that would be that would america's be begging for her, right? yeah, yeah you know we yeah. could actually like try to go to those games um, yeah back and forth. Totally. yeah that, that would be fun the, the the paul molitor alumni world series yeah right <laughs> no kidding huh. cool yeah might happen here in a couple years yeah so, Jonathan, do you have one um, more? Or? Yeah, so we got a couple more here. Uh, uh, one of my best of was was my favorite concert of the year. Uh, went over to the pageant in St. Louis, and I'd never been to the pageant before. I've been to several shows, like dozens of shows in St. Louis, but I've never been to the pageant, and uh, uh, which was a cool place. I think it was recently redone, and uh, it was very nice and clean and and uh, well air conditioned i was almost cold there um, <laughs> that place has great ventilation for yeah, sure seriously uh so i guess it just wasn't that night but uh, so we got to see, i got to see the broken social scene uh oh, for the, for the first time not the broken social scene but broken social scene for the first time and uh, one of my favorite bands of the last uh 10 years or so and and uh so yeah we were you know right, right up front there and uh it also had one of my one of my favorite moments at a concert, which was, uh, the, the, the lead singer, um, singing, uh, one of their, uh, not so hit songs, uh, called Texaco bitches. And which the refrain is a woo. It's, it's the band runs much deeper than that. If you've never heard them, but then, then those lyrics, but, um, uh, so he comes out and he's, and he's singing, you know, and, and, and shaking hands with people right there in the front. You know, he, he's actually, um, uh, Kevin Drew, the lead singer, he's 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 in the crowd, you know, shaking hands and with the microphone and and singing along in the middle of the song. And when it would come up to the woo, he would put the microphone in the face of whoever he was uh, looking at, and they would give out the woo. And and uh, and he comes over to me and he shakes my hand. And and Betsy Betsy never listens to Broken Social Scene, and um, uh, but so she's maybe heard him on the periphery. And he sticks a microphone in her face, and she goes woo. With a question mark at the like end. Like, at the end, she's like, woo? 
<laughs> Spotlight on. You're, you're lying. She she busted out the scream and won't get fooled again. <laughs> she said, yeah! That would have been awesome. <laughs> so it was it was a fun time, and uh, uh, he knew that he got her off guard, but. Uh, uh, uh it, it was great to see him sound was great uh, it was great energy that night and you know it was you know st louis this year is it's it's been a contentious city over the last couple of years and in the band acknowledged they weren't sure if people were going to come out um and uh uh but they were definitely very aware of the situation and uh it was it was a lot of fun yeah cool nice yeah well um my baseball thing this year that i thought was fun was May 7th continuing into the 8th. And what I'm referring to is Cubs-Yankees Interleague. And on May 7th, the game started. The game didn't get finished till May 8th. Um, The Cubs did end up losing 5-4 in 18 innings. It was the longest Interleague game of all time. It's a lot of bonus baseball. I, I remember watching it and um, thinking, God, is this thing ever going to end? And uh, while it was a heartbreaker, the baseball lover in me could not get enough. Yeah. Eight, eight, 18 innings of baseball bliss. It was it was over five hours. I can't remember. The, I don't remember the total time length, but yeah. Uh, six hours, five minutes. Six hours. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like I got a two for one that day on my baseball intake. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like to see uh, twenty. The Cubs struck out twenty six times. Um, <laughs> the Yankees struck out twenty two times. Chase Headley struck out four times. Um, let's see who pulled. D.D. Gregorius pulled an O for eight. That that hurts the average. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. D.D. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, notable notable uh, offers. Addison Russell went 0 for 6. Wilson Contreras went 1 for 8. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was a marathon. The, I'm always down for marathon games. And you lost. And you, yeah, yeah I, even though we lost. I just love the fact that yeah. there was a game that got played for 6 hours. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, I, I, it's a lot of people complain about baseball being too long, I'll, I'll gladly watch a 17-inning game. Um, well, extra innings is one thing, in an 18-inning <laughs> game, six hours, that's like two, yeah, so that's two nine-inning games, three hours apiece. Yeah, yeah. it was buy one, get one on baseball then. Yep, yep, won't complain about that. So, Gabe, you got one more, two more? I can't remember. Two more? Uh, well, I'll just, yeah, I think I have two more, I think. Um, I'll go ahead then and uh, uh, mention another. I'm just going to go ahead and just go with another record I liked. Um, uh, there is a band that I think more people should pay attention to. Um, they get labeled kind of the stoner metal genre. They get labeled, uh, they get placed into that genre, I should say. Uh, I think that does them a little bit of a disservice because I think they're, they're growing so much that, uh, you know, they're just a great band. Um, they put out an EP at the beginning of the year in 2017. I've talked about it on this show before, so it won't come as a surprise. Um, the EP is called Intentions and that's I N. 
and then the word tensions. So clever title in my opinion as well. And the band's name is Lopan, which I like them even more because they're named after a character in big trouble in little China. Um, one of the greatest films ever made. Um, yeah, they're from, um, they are from Ohio. Um, I think they're from Columbus, I believe. And the EP is really great. Uh, it's like, I think it's five tunes. It's, uh, it's it's the best production value they've had of any. They have three LPs and one EP, um, all of which have come out within probably about the last six or seven years. And, uh, you know, they just keep growing and it's such a good sound. Um, it's, you know, it's it's obviously it deals with some familiar themes with, you know, sort of heavier music like, you know, some of it's kind of you know about warriors and it's you know it's got like sort of this medieval kind of you know elements of dungeons and dragons and things like that <laughs> um, but at the same time it's it's also um you know i think it, i think it stands on its own as well um so it's 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 more than just a stoner metal band uh metal album especially the first song um called um i think it's called go west i believe um uh, and it's just, it's great. Uh, a really, really, really awesome EP. So check cool. it out. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Great voice too on the lead singer. Just, uh, um, I think that's another thing that separates him from some of their contemporaries in that genre is just, uh, he, at times he has like a beautiful voice. Um, even though the music still remains heavy, you know, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Nice. All right, well, I got my uh, my last one here, uh, so I'll start off the, the last round. Um, is It was a personal achievement of mine, and that was I got my setlist.fm database updated, <laughs> and uh, I had really been slacking on that. I, I mean, I would keep it updated. So for those not familiar, setlist.fm is a website uh, that contains uh, uh, rock setlists uh, from bands across the world. And a very recent set list and set list going back uh, as far as you can imagine rock set list going. Some are complete, some are not. Um, some are accurate, some might have little inaccuracies. And uh, uh, so it's a great it's it's a great database to go look up shows and then keep track of your own shows. If you create an account, you can keep track of your own the shows that you've been to and see statistics about the shows you've been to which i love i love i love seeing statistics behind like all the pearl jam shows that i've been to or all the widespread panic shows that i've been to or you know get you get your get your pearl jam show pie chart yeah exactly man i I love that and and but it's it's hard to stay on top of it and i there was a lot of stuff from college that just never got entered and so i dug up all the tickets and one night i it was one friday night betsy went out uh uh to go uh, out on the town and, and I, I stayed home and all I did was update my setlist FM database for like That's four awesome. hours. And I think I added like 150 shows and, and so I'm up to like, I'm, That's I'm, awesome. game, I'm not all up to the tickets for those. Man? No. Well, Betsy, Betsy was better at keeping tickets than me. And then some of the well, stuff, that, but it, like at least you have her tickets to go off of like, Oh yeah, yeah I was at that show too. Yeah. Right. But there are some shows that still like gave, I think we like saw like, uh, 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 I don't know, some offshoot of the Jerry Garcia band in Bloomington or, 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 or Champagne, Urbana, we saw right. Urbana or something. And it's like, I'll never be able to Melvin track that Seals one down. Band. Yeah, like right. Melvin Seals. Um, 
but uh, so yeah, it was uh, it felt good and, and to stay on top of it for the uh, uh, foreseeable future. And um, uh, but yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, this is like a total offshoot question. What was the theater in Peoria? Was it called the Madison? Didn't yes. we see some shows there at yes. one time? Yes, yes, we did. We we did. I saw widespread at the Madison. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was the hottest show I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was like 110 degrees or something. Yes. Yeah, yes. It was it was heavy. Um, yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah, I, I suggest uh, uh, anybody uh, who yeah, who's familiar go check it out. It's it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Setless, setless.fm. Well, right on. My last one isn't anything that groundbreaking, but to me it was awesome. Um, I finally got a yield on vinyl from Pearl Jam. <laughs> and I had been waiting a long time. And I had originally, I had an original copy, I don't know, probably 10 years ago now. And I sold it because it was worth like, $350 or something I got for it or something stupid. Mm-hmm. And I had kicked myself like ever since then. And um, they reissued it at the end of last year. It was like in September or October of 2016, but I actually didn't get a copy of it till earlier this year. And um, it, it's just my favorite Pearl Jam record. And so to finally have it again on vinyl really meant something to me. And um, yeah. I got it next to me. I was listening to it the other day. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They uh for all the, the PJ nice. heads out there, the avocado is on vinyl now too as well. Is the yield uh is that a gatefold or is it just a sleeve? Oh uh, yeah, it's the exact gatefold with the cutout of the yield symbol like the original one. Uh-huh. And it even has the yield Pearl Jam sticker on the inside like the original did. Oh nice. Yeah, they're they're. I figure they would Pearl Jam probably treat people right on you know packaging. I would guess. Yeah, honestly, I have I have this one, but it's not a gatefold. It's just. Oh, is mine like that? I can't remember. Yeah, it's just that. No, it's not a gatefold. It looks like. Yeah, you're right. It's just a cutout jacket. Yeah, I always felt like they could. Yeah, Gabe, you're right. They they do usually do like a big production with the, with the vinyl, but I think this is the. This and ten are the only ones that aren't gatefold. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, mine says newly remastered out of print since ninety eight. Features wow. featuring original artwork including die cut cover and yeah. yield sticker. And you got the sticker, yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Yeah, so there Can't you go. Can't go wrong with that. Like I said, uh it was cool that now later this it was i don't know probably i can't remember it was around summer or fall avocado came out on vinyl finally and it had never been on vinyl i don't think till right. originally even so cool there you go yeah nice good stuff um you know my my last one i think because i think i'm the last am i the last yep. one yep. here okay yep. um this might sound kind of you know it, it, um one thing I, I vow to do before the end of the year um, is I want to give a little bit of money. Um, and to want to remind everybody, you can always give money to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. There's information to do that on our <laughs> website. Um, I, you know, I, I uh, for the for the folks out there who have websites that provide that I really value um, for music. 
two of the sites that I really love are interarchive.org, um, which I, I, I mainly go there for the live music, but also they're really, if you just read up about them, they're really kind of trying to just archive everything, you know, government documents, um, kind of, I think, um, uh, helping foster that culture of transparency. And that was archive.org, you said? Um, yeah, archive.org, yeah. Um, they're right now raising money. Um, their goal is $1.5 million. Right now they're at like $1.2. They're only asking everybody to chip in like five bucks a piece. Uh, you know, obviously you can give much more if you'd like. But if that everybody did that, it would help. Um, you know, would go to back in the day. Um, that's now, you know, housed on archive.org. Uh, so I really, really, um, you know, I, even though like I, I don't listen to all of the bands on E-Tree, it's got a lot of good live shows there as well as, you know, all of these good. Um, like every Grateful Dead shows on there. I yeah, think. right. And and also just on archive.org, you know, even some of the non like, you know, even some of the non music stuff on there. I think it's really important to, to preserve it. Right. And they're doing um, and then also the other one is a live music site that I go to a lot. Um, it's called panicstream.net. And, you know, it's it, I, I guess its core function is it's a widespread panic streaming site. And I don't really use it for that necessarily as, you know, as as much as I, I do dig widespread. I mean, more so in a past tense, but still still uh still appreciate them um but if, if you go to panicstream.net slash vault um they've put up just a really vast uh assortment of live concerts from uh you know everybody from david bowie to tool to um uh you know the stones it's just there's a just a ton of bands on there uh some of you know are old fm recordings old bootlegs uh, but, you know, it's all streaming, or you can download it. So I figured I would kick them a few bucks as well, just because I appreciate their time uh, that they put into it. So Those uh, websites are awesome, but to me, they're like the biggest rabbit holes. I get stuck in them. It's just sure. like start listening to stuff, and then it's like, how, how did I get yeah. into the fall 2002 Natalie Imbruglia tour run? It's like, right, wow. right. It's like, how am I, uh, <laughs> yeah. how did this, I end up here? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, listen, um, that that can happen certainly. I, I I agree. I've 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 been down that that rabbit hole before too. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna try to you know just before the end of the year kick them a few bucks. And I think you, I think everybody out there that you know should too. I mean, a few years ago I started like trying to give a little bit of money to Wikipedia just because I valued what they do. You know, um, uh, so uh, you know I, I kind of apply that principle here as well. So. I'm going to yeah. do that in 2017 because I've never, I've never given, I've never given to those two sites before archive or, or panic stream. And I'm, I'm going to do that this year. Cool. So good idea. That's my, my final takeaway from 2017. Right on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, it, it hasn't been so. such a shitty year in some ways. What's that? It hasn't been such a shitty year in some ways. No, we just talked about the, the good stuff for, you know, an hour plus. Yeah. What's that? I'm sorry. Oh, there oh you, you cut out there for you. a second. Yeah. yeah, cut out. I had some tech. Uh, it's it's been a little spotty over the last few minutes. Yeah, for speaking me. of gremlins, I th I think they're they're coming hot and heavy now. So we we, right. we better wrap it up here.
All right. I want to remind everybody, visit Rock... Ch- Thanks for listening. Hope uh, everybody had, uh, you know, a good 2017. If you didn't, I hope your 2018's a bit brighter. Um, I want to go ahead and uh, remind everybody to visit rockchew.com. Um, uh, also, you can follow... You can find all of our episodes at rockchew.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at rockinchew. That's rock as in, what did you say, Levi? Natalie? Um, uh, Nina Simone. Nina Simone. There we go. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rockinchew. You can also like us on Facebook. Uh, if you're in the donating mood before the end of the year, why not donate to us as well? Help us keep the podcast going. Uh, support all the hard work that Jonathan does on the technical end as well. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see everybody uh, in 2018. Uh, have a safe and healthy and happy new year. Peace.